Good morning, everyone. And glad to see you guys. Wow, what a fantastic group of people. Seriously, I told the first service that they were so amazing that they should have a mirror to be able to see themselves. You guys, I just need to take a picture of you guys and put it up on the screen just so you guys can see. I mean, when I look out and I see your smiling faces, right, and I see people that are actually looking like they want to be here today, you know how encouraging that is? I mean, all of us. Come on. This is great. It's great. Yeah. And so I want to say a big hello to all those worshiping with us out in North Platte, as well as those down in the venue. Uh, Man, I just tell you what, guys, you're sitting in one of four worship services that happens currently at New Life on Sunday morning. We're actually starting to look at how we need to expand some of our service base. Uh, You know, these these past couple of weeks, we've been over a thousand in attendance, um, and it's just been kind of cool. People are giving their life to the Lord right now. Uh, Even from the first service, I I even see some cards down at our altar here in the main auditorium of people that have said, I gave my life to Christ. That's in the nine o'clock service that only happens here. So right now you're in in a church that has multiple locations. If you're a guest here with us, we've got people worshiping with us down in our gym that we call the venue as well as at our North Platte campus. Everybody's live. Everyone's synced together right now. I love the time frame in which we live in, utilizing technology to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ so that more lives can hear the good news and let their lives be transformed and changed into his likeness. It's an exciting day to be alive, right? Right on. Right on. Hey, listen, we are in a current teaching series that we've entitled James, where faith collides. It's a great one. Uh, We're walking through the book of James actually more kind of like leapfrogging through the book of James. Uh, We're doing our best that we can to kind of pull out the real meat of everything. Last week, though, uh, Chris and Dave were preaching. Chris was preaching here at our Carney campus, and Dave, our campus pastor out of North Platte, was preaching at North Platte. And I just want to say to you, guys, I've received so much feedback from our church um, when these guys have been preaching, and I love it. God has blessed us with an incredible team of pastors, an incredible team teaching team. These guys last week knocked the ball out of the park. They did great. I've heard nothing but great things. And so it's exciting. However, I will say this. I I love joining together with you guys. And I've been looking forward to this week as I have uh, been out of, you know, kind of the pulpit, whatever we really call this anymore, um, the stage. Uh, for the last couple of weeks. I've been looking forward to it. And today, we're going to continue our journey in James in the, in the third chapter. So if you have an analog Bible, James is found in the New Testament. You're going to want to flip the pages and get yourself there. Chapter three, land there, hold it, all right? If you've got a smartphone and you're using um, our Bible, the Bible app that we, that we typically use around here, if you don't know about it, look in our bulletin. There's information about it. But if you'll click on the live feature under more um, on that Bible app, then you'll be able to uh, pull up the notes both in North Platte and in Kearney, and you'll have all the scriptures and you'll have additional information that you can keep for the rest of your week right there on your smartphone. So please utilize tools like that. We, we don't utilize things by accident. We don't do them just because they're cool. We use tools like this because they're life transforming. And so I would highly encourage you to utilize them and see how God might, might use them to help you grow in your faith. James chapter 3, James is the half-brother of Jesus. James, yeah, pretty cool. Uh, James is also the leader, uh, one of the main leaders of the early church. And James is writing this book uh, that he's, you know, named after himself, which is good because now we know who wrote it. Uh, 
It makes it really easy. And he's writing this book to Christians. And he's saying to them, guys, this is how we need to live. Don't lose sight of these few things. Hang on to them. Or otherwise, otherwise this whole thing called faith is going to fall apart. And so in James chapter 3, James starts telling, talking to us about the power of words. You guys realize that words are powerful, right? That what comes out of your mouth has the ability to bring life or bring death. That's what the Bible says to us. Now, it brings a more of an emotional life or death. It brings more of a spiritual, at times, life and death. Not necessarily physical all the time. But primarily in that emotional state, life and death. And so out of our mouth comes words that have power to them. So I thought to help illustrate this, we would do an experiment. Is everybody ready to be a part of an experiment today? Are you? Okay, let me see your hands if you're willing to be a part of an experiment. Okay, here's what I need you to do, all right? First off, rule number one in the experiment, you cannot be offended, all right? So just say it with me. I will not be offended. Okay, the second thing is that you got to kind of be like a sponge because I'm going to say some words and I need you to really, I need you to kind of absorb these words, all right? And really kind of let me know how you feel when I say these words to you. I'm going to help us understand the power of words. Are we ready to get the experiment started? Come on, are you ready? All right, here we go, here we go. You're not going to like this because I hate you. I'm serious. I know I've never told you, but I, I seriously do. I hate you guys. I mean, if I could do anything else, I would do it, but no one else will hire me, so I hate you because you guys are the reason for my problem. You guys are the worst congregation of people I have ever seen in my life. You're the ugliest. You're, the, you're, not, the smart, you're the, not the smartest. You're the dumbest. You are the worst congregation. I hate you guys. Seriously, I hate you. We're not at some political rally. What are you guys doing? There's booing going on. Does it, doesn't it disturb like a real good bond between us when I just tell you how much I hate you? I mean, if you're a guest here, please note this. These, 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 these words do not, re- not reflect my true, my true self, right? Or whatever it needs to say. Whatever the fine print is. Okay, but what if I flip it, though, and I start telling you, which is really me, I love you guys. I mean, I really do. I love you. I believe that you guys are the best congregation on the earth. I think that our church and what God's helping us to build is incredible. I, I love you guys with a love, the love of Christ. I love you in such a way that I would want to try to do anything in my power to help you become more like Christ. I love you. I want to, I wanna, seriously, I want to do life with you. I want to figure out how to get more close to you, right? I want to figure out how to help us become more like Jesus. I love you. I love you. Now, my words were real. I hope your clap was real. Those, are, those reflect my true heart. That's my true heart. But when, when someone looks at you and they tell you they hate you and that you're the worst and you're the dumbest and you're the stupid, it, it's demoralizing. You can feel it in the core of your being. But when someone looks at you and they say they love you and they build you up and they help you understand how important and how precious you are, it brings life in you. That's the power of our words. And unfortunately, when I was speaking, some of you have words that have hurt you from the past and they came flashing back into your mind. 
And when I was spewing out that hateful, hurtful words, you unfortunately are anchored with a hurtful word that's in your past and it still affects you, it still shapes you. And when I started building you up and I started using the more true reflection of my heart towards you, you also have people that feel that way, maybe even deeper towards you. And you started to remember some of the words that they spoke as well. We, we hang on to these words. These words kind of shape us and they continue to shape us even into our adult lives. That's one side of the coin, what words have been spoken to us. But the other side of the coin is now what we can control. And that is words we've spoken to others. And we've spoken words to people that have built them up. And we've spoken words to people that have tore them down as well. I think all of us have been in that scenario where, you know, out of our mouths have come words that have been life-giving. And then also out of our mouths have come words that are bringing death and destruction. But have you ever been in a situation where you said something that you wish you could reach out and you could grab the words before they ever entered the ear of the person you were speaking to? You ever had one of those moments? Oh man, I know I've had those moments. It comes out of your mouth, you wish you could grab it. You know, what's worse is when words come out of your mouth and you don't even realize, you know, what you said. A number of years ago, back in like 1993, 94, as I was writing this sermon, it's like, wow, these words came right back to me. Uh, 1993, 94, I'm in Anchorage, Alaska. I'm with a buddy. He, he's got to uh, go to this event that night that's got some kind of like a Caribbean island feel. I don't know. We're in Alaska. Why would you do anything like that, right? So he's got to go to this event, and he, he needs to go buy a tie. So we go downtown Anchorage, and we go to a store that's similar to like a Herberger's. We walk into the store, go to the men's department, and, you know, we're looking for a tie. And ties are, ties are an accessory item, so they'll be over on this, this table, and there'll be some of them on that table. And I'm at, I'm at this store, and there's a lot of people in the store, and the salesman's helping my friend, and I'm looking for ties. And I find this tie, and I'm, I hold the tie up, and I kind of, you know, raise my voice a little bit and shout out to the other side where he's at. I go, hey, Pat, hey, this is an erotic tie right here. And I I watched the salesman kind of turn and look at me, and Pat looks at me, and I just assumed he didn't hear me. So I held the tie up, and I said, hey, this is an erotic tie. And he comes over, Pat comes over to me with this, like, red look on his face. And he says to me, like, he gets, like, this close to my face, and he goes, it's not an erotic tie, and it's it's an exotic tie. And I'm like, I'm like, holy cow, did I say that? You just wanted to like go to a changing room and just stay there for the rest of the time, right? Lock the door and just get yourself in there. Sometimes those words, they're not necessarily hurtful to anyone else but you. They can be really embarrassing. Things that come out of your mouth you wish you could grab and pull back. But on a serious note, I also remember sitting in a car in St. Louis, in a, in a suburb of St. Louis called Florissant, and sitting there in a car with my wife, and I remember that day in 1990 when I looked at her and I said to her, I don't love you, I don't want to be with you, Um, I'm out of this thing, and I'm gone. I remember when those words came out of my mouth and the pain that was immediately on her face. I can still recall that to this very day. It's nothing that I'm proud of. It's the scars of my past that helped guide me in my future. But I remember those days when I said those words and how pain instantly came on her. Um, Now, the beauty, if you don't know the rest of the story, is that, you know, this month, 
Kim and I will have been married for 29 years. 29 years. And honey, I, I, uh, she's sitting here in the main auditorium. I, I love you. I love you. You guys are going to make me cry. Don't do that. I do. I love her. And if I could go back all of those years, back to 1990, and I could grab a hold of those words before they came out of my mouth, oh, I would have done it. But if I had some kind of superhuman ability and I could reach into her fragile heart and I could take that memory out of her heart right now, I would do it as well. There's many times, guys, when we have said things that have brought about a long-lasting memory, a memory that you don't want to leave with someone. Right? But then there's also moments when you had the opportunity to inflict pain or to you know, really use your tongue to cause trouble for someone else, and you restrained it as well, though. See, we have this ability. It's not just that every thought that runs through your mind comes out of your mouth. It's that we also have the ability to restrain them. Like, you know, when, like, when Kim and I, we were fired from a youth pastor position. Let's talk about another scar. Fired from a youth pastor position, right? And uh, man, it hurt bad. And I had plenty of opportunities. In fact, many, many opportunities to slander and to attack that senior pastor. But I heeded the wise counsel of those who were around me, and I didn't do it. I didn't do it because I knew that he was God's authority in that place. And that if I attack him, I'm attacking God. And so I restrained, you know, from saying anything that was painful or hurtful. We have the ability to do those things. But in James chapter 3, he tells us that this tongue is just a small little piece, but yet it has so much power. It has the power to bring life, and it has the power to bring death. So let's jump in and let's look at what James is going to teach us here about our words, how they have power, and uh, how he wants to encourage us how to use our tongue. Take a look at these verses in verses 3 through 5. James says to us, you can make a large horse do whatever, go wherever, excuse me, we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. Verse 5, in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest even on fire. Picture with me. Some large vessel. Kim and I were just down in Panama City, Panama this past summer, and we had the opportunity to go through the canal. When we saw these vessels were amazingly huge with all these shipping containers on them, and to think how large that vessel is, you know, many times larger than this auditorium, many, and with this little rudder, and the captain's up there with just the wheel, and he spins the wheel, and the, the ship just turns, and it goes wherever. Or for some of you, you know animals, you know horses, you know how the bit goes in the mouth and how you guide, right? And you kind of steer the horse. I don't know the right language for it, but, you know, hey, giddy up, let's go, horse, and you got it, right? Right? And you're just like, let's go. I, hope this, I hope this strap doesn't break, right? So you, you got it. You understand. You can see that picture. And James is telling us that the tongue is small like that, but it has the ability to guide your entire being. Wow. That tells me instantaneously, if that tongue is going to guide me, where do I want it to guide me? I want it to guide me towards Christ, not away from Christ. So if that's your heart, then we're going to have to let faith collide with our words. But when faith collides with your words, guys, your words 
you become life-giving. When you let faith collide with your words, when, you know, that's what this whole series is about, faith colliding with real life. If you don't let faith collide with your words, you're never going to be life-giving. If faith to you is something that's exercised in this room, or faith is something that's private to you, that's only kept in your house or in your life group, then I'm going to tell you right now, you have a dead faith. Faith must intersect with every aspect of life, including our words. But when you let faith collide with your words, you can become life-giving. This is, you know where I got that from? Not only is it from James as the overarching theme, but take a look at what Proverbs has to say about it in chapter 10. It says, the words of the godly are what? Life-giving fountain. The words of the godly are like a life-giving fountain. Think with me for a moment. Uh, What a life-giving fountain in a village could do for people that are drinking dirty water. This year, 2016, five million people on our planet are going to die from waterborne diseases. Most of those are going to be children. Five million. Five million people are going to breathe their last breath because they drank dirty water. They didn't drink a life-giving fountain. They drank a dirty fountain. So what would happen in one village if you were able to go in and drill a life-giving well for them physically and they started drinking from that water? What would happen to the life sustainability of people in that village versus others? It would radically change. You would see people flocking to that village, moving to that village because they get a drink from the life-giving spring. Now think about it from your home. Is your home a life-giving spring, or is your home a, a home that has a, has a filth, dirt-filled spring? Which one are you? Fathers, which one are you? Are you a life-giving father, or are you not a life-giving father? Our tongue, when we decide for our tongue to honor God, that's when it has the ability to become life-giving. That's the kind of homes we, want, we need to have. Think about a church that has a life-giving spring of words that come from one member to another member, from one attender to another attender. And now think with me the church that is filled with the cancer of, of filth in their language towards one another, where they tear each other down, where they criticize each other, where they try to find you know, things that are wrong with one another and they tear one another down. That's not a life-giving church. We have plenty of those churches. What we need to be at New Life is a life-giving church. That means it all starts right here in our tongue. Fathers, listen to me for a moment. Your words spoken to your children are some of the most powerful, if not the most powerful words any human being could speak to another human being. The words of a father, followed closely by the words of a mother. But fathers that are here today, listen a recent study was done, and I, was just, I just had the privilege of being in a very small room of, you know, with about 30 people and a guy by the name of Henry Cloud, who is a Christ-centered psychologist and uh, also is a developer of leaders. And he, he was giving us the report on this recent study that was done on young adults. Young adults were put into a room, and they were given a test, and they were, had to take this test. And while they were taking this test, on this, there were multiple screens around, and they started flashing the name of their father on these screens so quickly that it would have been a subliminal message that they would have picked it up. It wasn't there long enough for them to actually read it. And Henry Cloud went on to tell us that the study showed these things, that young adults that came from homes where their fathers were encouraging, 
They were edifying. They built them up. They used their tongue to speak life into their children. That when those, when those young adults were taking the test and their father's name was randomly flashed up there subliminally, that their, their anxiety actually went down and their test scores went up. But for the young adults that were in the room that came from a discouraging home and a home where the father used words to, to bring hurt and pain and to tear down and not build up, when their father's names were flashed, their anxiety increased and their test scores went down. All of that to say, whether you're a young adult aspiring to be a father or you're a father now or you're a grandfather now, your words carry a lot of weight with them. And for some of us in this room, we're still living out the identity from the words of our father. We're still finding some of the pieces that make us who we are that, have, that can stream all the way back to the words of our father. When I was writing this sermon, you can only imagine what was going on in my mind that I was flashing back to all the different words of my father. And there's, there's a term, there's a phrase my father used over and over again because I played a lot of sports and he was really kind of sports-minded in a you know, play-it physical sense, not so much watch it. But he kept telling me, he drilled it into me, fast and tough, fast and tough. Jeff, when you're out there and you're going to tackle that guy fast and tough, you drop him to the ground, you remind him he never wants to run on your side of the, of the field again. And when, you're, when you get tackled, Jeff, because I was a quarterback, when you get tackled, you get right back up, fast and tough, man. First guy back to your feet. So you let the world know, oh, you guys got to bring something bigger and better than that. That's not going to keep me down. Or I'm out on the wrestling field, or I'm up to bat, or whatever I'm doing. And those words still echo in me. Sometimes for the good, sometimes for the bad. Why do you think I play hockey? Fast and tough. Bam. The words of our father, they linger with us. So fathers, my encouragement to you is this. Are you a life-giving spring? You're going to have to bring your mouth and your tongue to God. And I'm going to help you understand how to do that today. But that's where you're going to need to go. The same thing holds true then for any person in authority. Today, if you're a manager, right, you're a leader, you're an entrepreneur, you're leading your home or you're leading others, people of authority, their words carry weight. And the words that you speak to your employees or to the people that you manage are going to either increase productivity or decrease productivity. Now, I'm someone that I believe in speaking truth. Don't encourage when encouragement isn't needed. Like if someone's failed, it's not the time to build them up and prop them up and make them feel like they succeeded. It's time to be honest with them. But guys, you both know, we all know, that there's a way to instruct a person that builds them up and doesn't tear them down. Right? You can still be honest with a person and build them up. You don't have to inflate a person you know, un unrightly because they know it. And in the end, you're only creating double the monster that you already have. But employers, people in, people in places where you're influencing others, let your words speak life in such a way that develops even a greater employee or a greater worker underneath you. You're going to be a better boss. You're going to be a better manager. You're going to have people that want to change from where they work to come work for you because the people underneath you, they flourish. I want to be known as a leader like that. 
I want to be known as one of those kind of guys. We want to be known as that kind of a church. And I want your home to be known as that. Moms and dads, speak to your children in such a way that other kids in the neighborhood want to spend more time at your house. Because they're getting what they're needing. We live in a society right now where the verbal word is one thing. The written word is a whole nother. And I would say to you that when we're talking about our speech, we're also talking about our two thumbs that create text messages and, you know, they create Facebook posts and, you know, Twitter tweets and Instagram messages and Snapchats and on and on and on. Be careful what you say with your words, just like you are careful with what you're trying to say with your mouth. It does go both ways. So positive and challenging words, they can cause other people to do things that they never dreamed possible, like we were talking about with your employees. I remember in lifting weights, I haven't lifted weights for like four years. Man, I gotta get back. I'm starting, I'm just now, just now starting to get flabby. So, um, okay, that's, that's a little bit of a stretch. It started a long time ago. I'm just trying to keep the flab in now. Um, so disguise the flab. That's my mission. So I, I remember I'm pushing the bar up, right? I'm laying down on the bench and I've got weight on it and I'm trying to get like 10 reps out of this thing, right? And you're like at five, six, seven, eight, nine. Your head is turning beet red. Blood vessels are getting ready to pop out. You don't even look like you came from this earth at that moment. And you're trying to get number 10 up, and you are pushing, and you are, man, everything inside of you. And all of a sudden, the spotter, he comes in, and he gets his hands right up underneath the bar, and he looks right at you, and he goes, you can do it. Push. Push. You almost got this. Come on. A little bit more. Just a little bit more. And then you're like, ah. And your arms lock, and you're like, <sighs> and like 10 minutes later, right, when you get your breath, or that's for me, you say to the spotter, right, you say to the spotter, man, I would have dropped that bar flat on my chest if you wouldn't have been there, man, thanks for helping me lift it up that little bit. And the spotter says to you, I didn't touch the bar. I didn't touch the bar. This phenomenon, it happens in our culture over and over and over again. The power of our words generates something inside of us that causes us to become people that we never thought we could be. So fathers and mothers, are your kids becoming people they never thought they could be in a godly way? Are your employers becoming that? Husbands to your wife. Is your wife becoming a wife that she never thought she could be because you're speaking life into her? Are we helping people that are ready to give up spiritually and recharging them and getting them back on the road again and running after God again? What are you doing with your words? Because your words have power in them. See, so that's what I mean. When, when faith collides with your words, it has the ability to be a life-giving spring, life-giving. But when faith doesn't collide with your words, it has the ability to bring destruction and disaster. Take a look at what James says in verse 6. He says, and the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a, it's a whole world of wickedness, a whole world of wickedness. 
corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by what? Hell itself. Out of your mouth is coming these little campfires of destruction. And they're landing on people, and they're singeing them, and they're burning them, and they're, they're hurting people. That's, that's what's coming right out of your mouth. And this scripture is helping us to see something that I think is very critical to understand. And that is, it's not just what's coming out of your mouth, it's what it's doing to you. It's corrupting you, even. You're being corrupted by even what's coming out of your mouth until all of you is corrupted. I'm just going to be straightforward with you and tell you this. There's only one entity in all of this universe that's wanting your entire being to be corrupted, and that is Satan. Coming from hell itself, Satan would love, he would love it if you, you were just a vocal piece for him and that out of your mouth kept coming words of destruction and pain that were brought to every single person around you. See, the tongue could be like a flame thrower of destruction with one harsh word. Come on, just be honest with me. Hasn't out of your mouth had a moment where a flamethrower of destruction and one harsh word has left someone in ruins? Yes, the answer to that is yes. All of us have been there. But in the same token, the tongue can be like, a, be like an instrument that spits sparks. Spit sparks. Say that five times fast. It spits sparks. Kind of like a grinding wheel when it hits a piece of metal and it's just like, and all these sparks go out. So your tongue has the ability to land a bomb on somebody with one big word, but your tongue also has the ability just to spit these little sparks and constantly, just constantly degrade, constantly, you know, be depressive, constantly tear people down, constantly over and over again. Just these little bitty thoughts over and over and over again. And over time, that all adds up. So I would ask you, which one is more powerful in its destructive ability? The tongue that randomly drops big bombs of destruction on people or the tongue that constantly spits the sparks? To help you understand that, let's use a quick illustration. All right, I know you're a smart congregation, so you're going to figure this out pretty fast. But what would you rather have? If I could give you money today, physical money, if I could just give it to you, what would you rather have? A penny that's doubled over 30 days or a fresh, clean $100 bill. Not one on the screen. Like if I could pull it out of my pocket, I could give it to you right now. You could take the $100, you could go spend it. You could go out to lunch right now. You could buy your wife an incredible gift. Um, you know, wives, you could go and spend it and make your nails the best nails I've ever seen in your entire life. I don't know what you do with $100. But if I could give you 100 bucks, would you take it or would you take the penny that's doubled over 30 days? Who would take the $100? Come on, let me see $100 people. Right, I got, oh man, I'm going to lose a lot of money. Okay, and out in the venue in North Platte, put your hand up if you want the $100. Okay, Dave, please give it to him. Nate, give it to him. We'll reimburse you later. Um, So, how many of you guys want the penny doubled over 30 days? The people that want the penny doubled over 30 days are smart people because this is what happens. It would take you somewhere around 15 days. 15 days, you would have $163.84. But that penny doubled over 30 days is going to end up putting money in your pocket at $5,368,709.12. Penny doubled people are pretty smart people. But the penny doubled people understand as well that when you spit sparks of pain 
and you inflict those on people that are around you, day after day after day after day, it mounts up to something massive. You don't have to be the $100 drop the bomb with your, with your words person. You could just be the spit, the spark person that leaves damage to those that are around you. So, so <clears throat> why, why is the tongue under such heavy bombardment of attack? And I would say to you this. The tongue is under such heavy attack because it's the instrument that God gave you to first and foremost give him praise. That's why it's under attack. James kind of speaks to this a little bit in uh, 9 and 10 of chapter 3 when he says, Sometimes it, being the tongue, it first does what? It praises our Lord and our Father. And sometimes it what? It curses those who have been made in the image of God. But he goes on. And so blessings first and cursings, they come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, surely this is not right. First, he speaks to the issue that anything that God's designed to give him praise, the enemy's busy at work. Satan is busy at work to to manipulate it and so that your tongue starts causing more destruction. Your tongue and your mouth were first meant to give God praise and to give him glory and to give him worship. That's one of the reasons why when we join together every single week, we sing. We sing songs of praise, hymns, spiritual songs to encourage one another and to lift high the name of Jesus. You know, in Luke chapter 19, Jesus said that the tongue is so important in giving God praise that if we choose not to do it, the rocks are literally going to cry out and start giving him praise. I don't know about you, but not in my generation. In my generation, we're going to keep helping people understand what a relationship with God looks like so that this facility is so packed out that we have to do multiple, multiple services every single weekend here and in North Platte and in other places of people with their mouths praising God. But not just in here. I'm talking about out in our community. We want a community of believers that are out there praising God because I'm telling you that's what eternity looks like. In the book of Revelation, it helps us understand that out of the mouths of angels, right now, 24-7, 365 days of the year, they're proclaiming, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. With our mouths, we too, in eternity, will proclaim how powerful and amazing God is. So why is it under attack? Because it was designed to give God praise. So is your tongue giving God praise? Is your tongue first and foremost giving God praise? It's a great challenge for us. Is our tongue praising God at work, in our home? Is it praising God, you know, with the little details of our lives? Or is it just praising God when we come together and we choose to sing a song or two? Because if that's all it is, faith hasn't collided with anything of words, and your faith is dead. Okay. But this passage doesn't just end right here. It also tells us that it's not right, it says, for both blessings and cursings that come from the same mouth. Our tongue has the ability to give God praise, but it also has the ability to speak curses. And James, he gives us this great illustration in James chapter 3, and he says, listen, can a fountain, can a physical fountain that is a fresh water fountain, can it produce salt water? Or can a salt water fountain produce fresh water? He goes, absolutely not. It's crazy. It's ludicrous. He's telling us this to look at our character, 
So look at your character today. Evaluate your character right now where you sit, right now. Would you say that you are a fresh water, life-giving fountain like we talked about earlier where faith collides with with our words and produces a life-giving fountain? Is that who you are? Because I'm just going to say to you, if that's who you think you are but out of your mouth keeps coming the salt water, keeps coming the destructive words, over time you're going to have to be honest with yourself and say, my character doesn't reflect what I'm wanting. I want to be a freshwater spring that brings life to others, but out of my mouth keeps coming the saltiness. And sooner or later, you're going to have to be honest with yourself and go, I'm not who I say I am. I don't want to be that guy. Because if out of your mouth keeps coming cursing and slander and negativity and criticism, right, and gossip, if that keeps coming out of your mouth, you're not a life-giving fountain. And at some point, you and me are going to have to buckle down and just say this, I am going to control and I am going to tame this tongue. Now, James talks about this. In chapter three, James says, hey, listen, haven't you guys looked around and seen how man has tamed an aquatic animal or man has tamed a lizard or man has tamed a bird? Haven't you guys looked around at that? But then he says these words that I don't want to confuse you, but I want you to know because if you read James chapter three, your mind's gonna be spinning because James says, we're able to control all these, all these things, but let me tell you something you can't control. You can't control the tongue. Whoa, time out. Why are we preaching this entire message? if we're all doomed to not be able to control something. Doesn't that just seem foolish? Doesn't it seem ludicrous to have preached this entire message and for you to have sat here this entire time and for me to get to the punchline and say to you, oh, by the way, it's untamable. So have a great week, guys. Get out there, try not to hurt people. Get out there, do your thing. No, that's not what he's saying at all. He's saying to us, listen, man, with your own ingenuity and your own little man-human wisdom and your own little man-human training, you've been able to train these beasts. If you approach the tongue with your same man-humanistic mindset, you'll never be able to tame the tongue. If that's your approach today, you're not gonna be able to tame it. So if your approach is this, I will not say bad words. 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 Beep. That was a bad word, by the way. Just chose not to say it. They gave you the beep. I, I, I will build up. I will build up. I will, I will encourage. You can't, you can't coerce yourself into having a tongue that brings life. The only way that that happens is by surrendering yourself to Christ. Now, I know that that's James' attitude because if you go back to James chapter 1, you see James saying these words in verse 26. If you claim to be religious, but you don't control your tongue, you don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. I'm telling you today that there is the ability to bring control and to tame what comes out of our mouths. You you may not be perfect at it. You may fail from time to time, but you don't have to keep going in the road that you are right now, bringing destruction and death and harm to, to those that are around you. There is a way to change. And let me give you three quick things that will help you maybe apply these things to your life. Take one or take all three. Apply them to your life and see if it doesn't bring adjustment even to the way you speak and what comes out of your mouth. Take a look at these three things pretty quick. Psalms 51.10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Your first move should be about the heart. 
Jesus is the one who said to us, what comes out of the mouth is a reflection of what's in your heart. So the very first step we all need to take in this room today and those that are out in North Platte and down in the venue is God, create in me your heart. Put in me a love like you have. Put in me, put the DNA of your heart into my heart so that out of my heart, my mouth will speak. Create in me a clean heart, O Lord, and renew a right spirit within me. That's our first move. It's about the heart. It's not about the tongue. You got that? Your first move is about the heart. God, transform this heart. And God, let me just tell you guys, that's not a one-time prayer. That's a daily occurrence of coming before God saying, create in me a clean heart. Okay? That's number one. Here's number two, though. Colossians 4, 6. Let your conversations be always full of what? Grace, right. Seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. The first, so the second thing would be this. Extend grace. The same grace that's been extended to you, extend it to others. Basically, do unto others, say unto others what you would want said unto you. Extend grace before judgment. Extend grace before harshness. Extend grace. God's given you grace so that you can have a relationship with him. Extend grace to others. But the second, the second piece of that scripture said this, seasoned with salt. Per, season your heart with salt. Season your life. Preserve your heart with the salt of God's word. When you preserve your heart with the salt of God's word, man, you, you, you'll watch. Your language will change. Because you're seasoning your heart. You're coming along God saying, God created me a clean heart. Now you're seasoning that heart that God's given you with his word. Out of your mouth will come more life-giving words, guys. It will happen. There's no doubt about it. Lastly, take a look at this. Psalms 141.3. Take control of what I say. Anybody here want God to take control of what they say after hearing this message? God, I want God, I want you to take control of what I say. Oh, Lord, and what? Guard my lips. You know what? When I see the scripture, I see the Holy Spirit standing right here at my lips with an M16 going, don't you say that, Jeff Baker. <laughs> right? Ah. Like, ow, that hurts. You know, put a couple rounds into my tongue reminding me that's not where you want to go. The last thing is this. Invite the Holy Spirit to stand guard at your lips. What that means is this. Holy Spirit, convict me of the words before they come out of my mouth. Guard my lips. Stand guard for me, will you? Now, listen, that might be really important for some of you that have got an important meeting this week that you need to make sure that you say the right thing. Holy Spirit, guard my lips. It might be a moment that happens today that just rouses you up and your emotions get stirred. I want you to go back and say, Holy Spirit, guard my lips. Guard my lips. So when we, when we allow faith to collide with our words in this type of attitude, guess what happens? God gains greater control. I know one thing about every single one of you that's in this room today, and that's this. No matter where your relationship with God is, you want God to gain greater control. And so the way we're going to do that is by God creating me a clean heart. I'm going to extend grace, season my heart with your word, and guard my lips with the power of your Holy Spirit. Convict me of my words. And if those words get past you as the guard, humble my heart that I would repent 
and bring them back again. So in wrapping up today, one last verse and we're done. James 3, 2. Indeed, we all make mistakes. Amen? (laughs) He's writing this about the tongue. Guys, we all make mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. As we take greater and greater control of our tongue by allowing the Holy Spirit to do his work, guess what is going to also be greater controlled? Your entire being. Isn't that what that scripture just said? If you could, well, guess what? It's possible. That means if you can control that tongue in a greater sense this week, you're going to control your life in a greater sense. And that means your lives can align up with God's life in a greater way. But we've all made mistakes. So today, in our time of worship, lift up your voice and give God praise. That's what your tongue was made for, first off. Repent to God for the things that we've said that have wounded and affected others. And forgive others of their offenses that have been spoken towards you. Take the hurtful words and lay them down at the altar and let let Christ wash them clean. And take our mouths that have inflicted pain on others and let our mouths, God, be filled with your word. Let our mouth be filled with your spirit that out of us become a life-giving spring to others. Amen? Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Father, we come to you today because we know that we can't control this thing called the tongue. Lord, we know that your word tells us very clearly that the tongue is like a rudder and it can direct our entire lives. It has the ability to direct our lives away from you, but that also means it has the ability to direct our lives toward you. And Lord, today, we want the words of our mouth to bring you praise. We want the words of our mouth, uh, Lord, to lift high the name of Jesus out in North Platte, down in the venue, here in our main auditorium. Lord, we want our words as we walk out of our auditoriums today into our communities of Kearney and surrounding areas and North Platte and surrounding areas. We want our words to speak life to others so that people would know Jesus as their Lord and Savior and be drawn back to the cross of Christ. May our words be enticing to others, leading them to Jesus and not repelling them. May our words build up the next generation, Lord, to be faithful followers of you and not not distract them, Lord, or hurt them or tear them down and push them away from you. Today we come, we come, God, with just our one tongue, but we're gonna link it with all these others in, a, in, a, in a, a, a symphony of praise to you today. All of our mouths giving God praise and glory and honor. And in doing so, Holy Spirit, may you come and may you intersect, may you collide with our lives. Convict us to the core that our lives would line up with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Take